Welcome to Follow, a Latter-day Saint scripture poetry podcast. My name is Mary Jane Rice. Thank you for joining me today. The reading this week is 1 Nephi chapters 16 through 22. The poem I'm sharing today was inspired by the Lord's patience with even his most disobedient children, as alluded to in 1 Nephi chapter 20 verses 9 through 10 and 18 through 19. If you'd like to read along, you can find this poem on my website at maryjanerice.com. Let's begin. Tapestry We are woven threads, warp and weft, that touch at just one point, then branch off crosswise. We diverge, but can't escape each other without tearing ourselves. Perhaps God suffers long because of this. His love dies deep and true. Thus we see even Lemuel escaped the waves. Laman also reached the promised land. The reading this week includes a lot of stories about Nephi's interactions with his brothers. One of these stories tells how Nephi received instructions from God to build a ship so he and his family could cross the waters to a promised land. When Nephi shared these instructions with his family, his brothers Laman and Lemuel opposed him. They didn't want to help build the ship. Through miraculous intervention, they were told not to withhold their labor from Nephi, and they repented of their opposition to the Lord's will. This pretty much encapsulates Nephi's relationship with Laman and Lemuel. He is very responsive to the Lord, but they are slow to listen. They get increasingly violent with Nephi, but each time he manages to talk them down or they suffer the consequences of their actions and they repent, at least until their last interaction where Nephi flees for his life with any family members who will go with him. The events recorded in these early chapters of the Book of Mormon come across almost like fables. They seem to say, here is how an obedient person behaves as opposed to a disobedient person. Be like Nephi, don't be like Laman and Lemuel. That is one very important lesson to learn from Nephi's account. But why did the Lord work so hard to get Laman and Lemuel to the promised land? Was it simply so they could act as foils for the Nephites? While Laman and Lemuel were real people with real struggles and weaknesses, they often did seem to be truly repentant and faithful. They complained a lot, but they still followed their father Lehi into the wilderness. They threatened and carped, but they did go back to get the plates. They did eventually help Nephi build the boat, which would have taken months, if not years, of hard labor. They bear responsibility for the bad actions they didn't repent of, but it's amazing that such flawed people helped accomplish so many good and important things. God loved them too. When they obeyed, he gave them their promised blessings. When they didn't obey, they suffered from the loss of the Lord's protection and guidance. The reading this week also includes Nephi's extensive quotes from Isaiah. Nephi loved Isaiah and loved to liken Isaiah's prophecies to his own people. I distinguish between interpreting the meaning of a scripture and likening a scripture to one's own circumstances. A scripture can have an accepted principal meaning, and it can also have a personal meaning to you. You may have received 
personal revelation from a, for a problem or question while you were reading a scripture. That doesn't change its principal meaning, but it also doesn't lessen the truth of your personal revelation. The verses that inspired my poem came from chapter 20, which corresponds with Isaiah 48. Verses 9 and 10 read, Nevertheless, for my name's sake, I will defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain from thee, that I cut thee not off. For behold, I have refined thee, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. This prophecy seems to be the Lord telling his chosen people that even though they have been wicked, he will not completely abandon them. They will suffer difficult consequences from their disobedient actions, but these consequences can serve to make them better people. I liken this to Laman and Lemuel's situation and how even though they did some very wicked things, the Lord still preserved their lives and blessed their families. I remember one of my seminary teachers once explaining that he hoped God would not just give everyone what they deserved because he knew that he did not deserve the blessings of Jesus Christ's atonement. He wanted instead for God to be very merciful and generous with all of us. Even though I am not violent or murderous like Laman and Lemuel sometimes were, I still complain a lot and I am forgetful and obstinate. And yet the Lord has been very merciful and long-suffering with me. He guides me through his spirit, through scripture, and through prophets. I sometimes feel very small and unimportant, like it doesn't matter what I do. Or like I'm not making any progress in my own life or helping change anyone else's life for the better either. I appreciate the reassurances that the Spirit gives me that my gifts are accepted and that the Lord's purposes will come to fruition regardless of whether or not I am personally successful or influential. I try to remember to be wary of assuming I am okay with the Lord just because I have a history of doing some good things. If I want to receive all that he has in store for me and my descendants, I need to repent and humble myself every day. Now for a little poetry analysis. There are two different ways you can come at imagery in a poem. One way is to layer many different images to describe the same idea. So each image expresses the central idea of the poem, but in a slightly different way. That helps you provide the reader with many different concrete ways of understanding the same abstract concept. Or you can do as I did in this poem, which is to have one central image and expand on that theme. I titled the poem Tapestry, so the reader immediately knows that the imagery in this poem is going to center around woven textile. The first line, we are woven threads, indicates that the metaphor is about how we, as children of God, are like this metaphorical tapestry. And then I move forward using textile imagery throughout the poem to its conclusion. As I read the poem for you again, pay attention to the words and images that strengthen this central metaphor. Tapestry. We are woven threads, warp and weft that touch at just one point, then branch off crosswise. We diverge, but can't escape each other without tearing ourselves. Perhaps God suffers long because of this, 
his love dies deep and true. Thus we see even Lemuel escaped the waves. Laman also reached the promised land. This week I have some extra song lyrics to share. This song was inspired by Sariah, who bore and raised two additional children, Jacob and Joseph, while she lived in the wilderness. This must have been very hard for her, but also a great blessing to welcome these two boys into her family during her later years. My friend Jeanette Booth wrote some music for these lyrics that I will share at the end of the podcast, so stick around. Now I'll read the lyrics for you. Sariah's Lullaby Little one born in wilderness, so serious, so young. If I were not gray-haired and weary, I would rise and run with you. Fetch water from sweet river, gather fruit from shining tree. Instead, I cradle, hold you close, breathe in your boyish scent of green things crushed by tumbling, of warm earth plowed and planted. With what sighing and what singing I have left, I bless you down through ages, little one in promised land, so old behind your sober, searching eyes. That's all for today. You can find more of my poetry at facebook.com slash Latter-day Saint Poetry or visit maryjanerice.com. That's M-E-R-R-I-J-A-N-E rice.com. My contact information is in the show notes. Please stay tuned at the end of this episode to hear a digital recording of Soraya's lullaby. Thank you for listening. May your time spent in the scriptures this week be rewarding.